G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Someone has said you always know when the devil's lying. His lips are moving. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie urges us not to buy the lie. The devil will whisper in our ear, God doesn't love you. That's a lie. Sometimes the devil will say, go ahead and do this thing. He'll say, it'll be fun. And he'll whisper into our ears these things that are not true. And the only way to know the lie from the truth is they have a good working knowledge of the Bible. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. Our minds naturally come with a built-in lie detector. When you're hearing something that's a bit too good to be true, we think, rubbish. The trouble is, our adversary has some pretty sneaky ways of dressing up lies to look like the truth. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us tune up our spiritual discernment so we can spot the lies as they escape from the devil's mouth. It's an important study and one of the messages our listeners requested the most over the past 12 months. The title of my message is, What is the Mark of the Beast? Revelation 13 verse 16 says, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and no one can buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that is understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. So here's the thing. We wonder, why would anybody take the mark of the beast? And the answer is given to us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, which says, speaking of Antichrist, this evil man, will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and wonders. He will use every kind of wicked deception to fool those who are on their way to destruction. Listen, because they refuse to believe the truth. It's not that they haven't heard the truth. They refuse to believe the truth that would save them. So God will send a great deception upon them and they will believe the lie. They'll believe the lie. What is the lie that people in the tribulation period will believe? The lie is pretty much the same thing that goes back to the Garden of Eden. Satan was peddling this thing way back when. Remember our first parents, Adam and Eve, were there at the garden, there at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the snake comes to them, the serpent, the devil, and says, 
has God said you can't eat of every tree in the garden? Go ahead and eat of this fruit, for in the day you eat, you will become as a God, knowing good and evil. They ate of it, and then sin entered the world. But what is the lie that Satan was propagating? The lie is simply this. Don't believe the word of God. Believe something in its place. Hey, we believe the lie sometimes too. The devil will whisper in our ear, God doesn't love you. Why do you even follow him? He's against you. That's a lie. Sometimes the devil will say, go ahead and do this thing. No one will ever find out. You'll get away with it. Well, that's certainly a lie. He'll say, it'll be fun. And he'll whisper into our ears these things that are not true. And the only way to know the lie from the truth and to know good from evil is to have a good working knowledge of the Bible. All of us have been deceived by sin at some time in our life. All of us have known something was wrong, but we went for it anyway, right? And if you did, that means you listen to the lie. You know, in life, some people believe the truth and some people believe the lie. As you know, I've written a book called Billy Graham, The Man I Knew. And one of the stories I tell in the book is about Billy Graham and a man named Charles Templeton. You've heard the title of the book by Charles Dickens, which was A Tale of Two Cities. This is a tale of two evangelists. One was Billy Graham, who went on to change the world. The other was Charles Templeton, who has been mostly forgotten. In the late 1940s, Billy Graham and Charles Templeton were both evangelists for Youth for Christ. And some even felt that Templeton was the more effective of the two. Very handsome, eloquent, great communicator, intelligent. Billy was a great communicator as well, but he was a son of the South. In his own words, he would often say, I'm a country preacher. Templeton was more sophisticated. But uh, as time passed, Templeton began to doubt his faith. And he encouraged Billy to do the same. Templeton said to Billy Graham, you can't really believe the scripture. It's not really reliable. And Billy continued to believe the scripture. But this did create sort of a crisis of faith in the life of Billy Graham. And so one night, Billy was up at Forest Home Conference Center here in Southern California in the San Bernardino Mountains. Billy went out to a tree stump and he took his Bible and he placed it on the stump. And he made a commitment to believe what the scripture said. And he said, Father, I accept this as your word by faith. I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my intellectual questions and doubts because I believe this is your inspired word. So Billy made a choice to believe what scripture said even when he had occasional doubts. Leaving that place, Billy went on to preach in Los Angeles at a tent that had been erected and that basically was the launch of his international ministry. Meanwhile, Templeton walked away from his faith. He even wrote a book with the title, Farewell to God. But the story doesn't end there. My friend Lee Strobel uh, told me the story of when he went to visit Charles Templeton, who was quite a bit older and was in very poor health. And uh, Lee Strobel uh, who used to work for the Chicago Tribune and was a well-known atheist who came to faith after watching how God transformed his wife, was researching 
uh, a book he was writing. So he went to interview this famous atheist, Charles Templeton, and he brought up the subject of Jesus Christ. And much to Lee's surprise, Templeton said of Jesus, he was the greatest human who ever lived. And then Templeton went on to say to Lee Strobel, and you know what, this may sound strange, but I adore him. And I even would put it this way, I miss him. And then Lee told me he was really surprised when Charles Templeton began to weep. And, uh, but the story continues on. A little bit after that, uh, Charles Templeton was on his deathbed and his wife uh, said that while he was there, he said to her, he saw angels. He said, they're so beautiful. I see them now and they're waiting for me. I'm coming. So thank God, Charles Templeton, the evangelist who became the atheist and wrote a book titled Farewell to God, came back to God and believed. But Billy Graham never stopped believing. You have the same choice before you right now. You can believe the truth or the lie. And every day when you go and watch television or you listen to music or you go on social media, the lie is hitting you. The lie is hitting you. That's why you need to fill your mind and heart with God's word to counteract that. So Antichrist, he emerges on the scene as a peacemaker. And he does something that wins him the approval of many Jewish people in Israel. He rebuilds their temple. Now as you recall, King David uh, wanted to build a temple for the Lord because up to this point they would meet with the Lord in what they called the tabernacle or the tent. But uh, David wanted something fitting for the Lord. And as he drew up the plans for this temple, the Lord said no. Uh, so David's son Solomon ended up building this incredible temple uh, which was ultimately destroyed and rebuilt by King Herod. Uh, King Herod was not a devout man at all, but he was a great builder, and so that second temple became known as Herod's temple. That was the temple that was standing when Jesus had his public ministry. And one day Jesus pointed to that temple, and he says, you see that temple? I'm telling you right now, there will not be one stone left upon another. He said, that temple will be dismantled. And they thought, he's out of his mind. We've been building this temple for 47 years. How could that happen? Well, it did happen when Titus and the Roman legions came in and destroyed the temple and dismantled it stone by stone exactly as Jesus said would happen. So that's the second temple. But the Bible predicts a third temple. That has not been built yet. So Antichrist will come and effectively erect this third temple and then he will commit what the Bible calls the abomination of desolation. Matthew 24, Jesus says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And so what is the abomination of desolation? This is after the third temple is rebuilt, Antichrist erects an image of himself in it and commands people to worship this image. And so commenting on that, 2 Thessalonians 2.4 says of Antichrist, he opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or his worship. So he is as God sitting in the temple of God whose coming is after the working of Satan and pretended miracles, all of them lying wonders. This marks 
the second half of the tribulation. So again, the first half of the tribulation, Antichrist seems like a good guy, bringing peace, rebuilding the temple. Then he commits the abomination of desolation, erecting this image. And that brings the second half of the tribulation when he begins to hunt down followers of Jesus, uh, hunt down Jewish people, and a series of plagues come upon the planet, and on it goes. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. Today, Pastor Greg is presenting an eye-opening look at Bible prophecy in his message, What is the Mark of the Beast? Let's continue. Now we shift gears from Revelation 13 to Revelation 14. We go from horrific things happening on planet Earth to some amazing things happening up in heaven. So look at your Bible again. Revelation 14, starting in verse one. John writes, Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps, and they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. So who are the 144,000? They're Jewish people who have put their faith in Jesus as their Messiah. Uh, Revelation 14.1, having his Father's name written on their foreheads. The Father's name. You know, you have a choice as to who your Father will be. You can either make God your Father, or you can be, as Jesus said, of your Father, the devil. You know, when I was growing up, I had a lot of dads. I'll put that in quotes. My mother was married and divorced seven times and had a bunch of boyfriends in between. And so uh, there was uh, my biological father, and then there was other guys she met, and she would literally say, this is your new dad. And uh, they were all very similar, these men my mother married. The kind of guys that would hang around in a bar with maybe a few too many of their buttons on their shirt undone. <laughs> and uh, kind of swinger type dudes, you know. And uh, I became very cynical even as a young man about a father. And then my mother married this guy in New Jersey whose name was Oscar Laurie. He was an attorney. He didn't drink, he didn't smoke. I don't know what my mom saw in him. <laughs> he was an honest man, a law-abiding man, uh, a very moral man. And I remember that he took an interest in me and treated me as a father ought to treat a son. So one day when I was coming out of school there in New Jersey, my mom had the Cadillac filled with all of our luggage. And I said, what's going on? She says, we're going to the airport. I said, where are we going? She said, to Hawaii. I said, oh, that's so exciting. Where's dad? She said, he's not coming. And I never saw Oscar Laurie after that until many, many years later. So we land in Hawaii and here's a guy I've never seen before that my mom had married and she said, this is your new dad. And this man was abusive and violent. In fact, one night in a drunken brawl, he hit my mother with a wooden statue and almost killed her. And uh, so I became very hard against all of these things. But later in life, after I came to Christ, I sought out Oscar Laurie. Uh, who was still alive and had remarried. And I had the privilege of sharing the gospel with him and leading him to the Lord. That's another story for another time. But I chose his name. I had a lot of names I could have chosen as my daddy 
Oh, I had all these names. I chose Lori, which I was mocked for in school, by the way. <laughs> I also went to military school where you go by your last name, so everyone, everyone called me Lori. But uh, I carried that name with pride because of the man that gave it to me and the man that adopted me. I chose him because he chose me. He chose to adopt me. I chose to carry that name. In the same way, we choose who our father will be. You choose God as your father, or by default, you effectively choose the devil. This mark on the foreheads of the 144,000 is something that identifies them as God's children. It's sort of like an ID tag. Other people won't see it, but the Lord sees it. And by the way, God has put his ID tag on you. What does that mean? It means you belong to the Lord. Do you find that comforting? I do. 1 Corinthians six nineteen says, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your life. In the Greek, it's you're not your own property. You've been bought with a price. You know, when I travel, I'll take luggage on the plane and I have a little ID tag. So I was on a trip recently and I was getting off and I had my little piece of luggage that I was wheeling away. And some lady comes running after me saying, you took my suitcase. I said, no, ma'am, this is my suitcase. I know it. She goes, no, it's my suitcase. Open it. And I open it up and it was filled with women's clothing. I'm really glad she chased me down. And the problem was I didn't check the ID tag. And sure enough, those two suitcases, mine and hers, were very similar. If I would have checked the ID tag, I would have known the difference. And I'm glad she told me because I did not want to wear women's clothing for my trip. So we have an ID tag on us. God can read it and the devil can read it. And when he sees that ID tag, he has to back off because you are God's property and the Lord will protect his investment. Pastor Greg Laurie with insights on the 144,000 and how they're identified as God's own. And there's more to come from this study here on A New Beginning. Next time, Pastor Greg brings us more revealing insights from our studies of the end times in the book of Revelation. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called, What is the Mark of the Beast? If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast, along with more inspiring Christian content. Just search your app store for Vision Christian Media. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.